Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, and welcome to the Tracy Sandler Show on Believe, brought to you by FIVO. We are recording this on Monday, the Monday after a very exciting San Francisco 49ers victory, a victory that perhaps did not have to be as exciting as it was when you go into the fourth quarter with a 20-6 to lead, but that is neither here nor there because it was an exciting victory. I'm sure 49ers fans are excited. I know the 49ers are excited. I'll tell you why I'm excited. I'm excited because we have the Athletics' Matt Barrows on today's podcast to talk all things San Francisco to like take a look at the NFC playoff picture. It's going to be epic. Uh, hopefully I have not oversold it, but I know I have not. Matt, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm excited. I mean, I feel like um, we set a record with my five fun facts from several years ago. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure it was more popular than the Nick Bosa, Jimmy Garoppolo mm. ones. I mean, mm. you know, ha- handsome, handsome guys is the theme here. Um, obviously, but I, I think we could set a record today too, Trey. What do you, what do you think? I think we could do it. I think we could definitely set a record. And I will say for your five fun facts, I think it is the most watched of ones that aren't members of the San Francisco 49ers. But I will also say loser your- bracket. I, so you're saying I'm top of the loser bracket. I'll, I'll, I will take that. I will well, take actually, that. I was going to say, I think yours does have more views than some members of the San Francisco 49ers. Well, if I can't beat out Akella Witherspoon, I, I, I have no business being in media. I didn't even post to Kella Witherspoon's. <laughs> if that tells you anything, no one has actually seen a Kella Witherspoon. So there's That's that. So you know what I, just, I just pulled that out of random, out of nowhere. Which I didn't is funny. I didn't realize it was unpostable. It was unpostable, but that's I think that's very funny. You know, I just did recently, and this is just a shameless promotion for everybody to check it out. As I just did five fun facts with Jawan Jennings, which is doing Ugh. exceptionally well. I love Jawan Jennings. I, yeah, I'm, I'm going to look that up because uh, he is he's really an interesting guy. He is an interesting guy, and I think we should talk more about him as the pod goes on. But it is doing. He, I would say, like my top three have been Nick Bosa, Jimmy Garoppolo, Richard Sherman in terms of players, and then the next one is Juwan Jennings, which is pretty amazing. But everybody well, I, just loves I, I him. I believe it. I mean, he's one of these um, under-promise, over-deliverer types of guys, and, mm-hmm. and fans love that type of player. I mean, a seventh-round pick, mm-hmm. and, and here he is, you know, making huge catches in overtime. So um, he's that way. There are a couple of other guys. You know, Jeff Wilson is another uh, under-promise, over-deliverer guy over the years and fans just love those two guys and um you know that's that's you you need those guys on your team and and the 49ers have two good ones yes they do they have excellent ones and I don't think I've done fun fact five fun facts with Jeff Wilson so we'll put that on the agenda of something to get done in the next couple months uh but we are digressing but that's the fun of a podcast. You could just digress and talk about whatever you want. So if there's anything else you want to talk about, please hey, let Tracy, me know. Tracy, it's your podcast. You could talk about whatever you want to talk about. That's true. Let's talk about Justin Bieber. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I won't make you guys do that. <laughs> I won't make you talk about Justin Bieber yet. But I will make you talk about yesterday's game. Because uh, it was an exciting game. As I said uh, at the start, maybe it didn't have to be as exciting as it was. But it was an exci- exciting game. There's a lot to unpack there. I'd like to start with just your like high level initial thoughts on what you felt you learned about the 49ers. Well, I mean, um, you say it's uh, w- was more exciting than than perhaps it it should have been, but I-, I think that game was always going to be you know 26-20. It was always going to be a one score game. Mm-hmm. Um, th- those teams were just so even, and, and I think the 49ers are a little bit better, but uh, the Bengals were playing at home. Um, and, um, basically it, it, it turned out to be the game that I was expecting. It, it, maybe it was a little bit too easy for the 49ers early on with those, uh, mistakes that the Bengals were making, but you know, the 49ers were, uh, were a flawed team. I mean, they, they had some weaknesses going in there and the biggest one was at cornerback. And it, I thought that they did a really nice job of hiding it for three quarters of the game but in that mm-hmm. fourth quarter, they just couldn't hide it anymore. And the Bengals figured it out, and that's what allowed them to crawl back into it and tie it at 20. 
but I mean, it, they still, the 49ers still were able to sort of mask those weaknesses for three quarters, which I think, I mean, it, it depends on how you look at it. Um, you know, to, to me, it, uh, it deserves some praise for D'Amico Ryans and, and what they were able to do to sort of get away with that weakness. I think D'Amico Ryans generally could deserve some praise because when you look at all the injuries that have happened in that defense, especially in the secondary, especially at corner, but he's dealt with a lot this season, and I know he's gotten a lot of criticism and flack, but as the weeks have gone on, he's done a pretty good job of keeping that defense together. Yeah, I mean, we're back to basically week one with the cornerback situation, and um, they were dealing with that early in the season. Then it stabilized a little bit when Emmanuel Mosley got back and uh, we should note that I think mostly has played really well this year. I mean, sort he of has. established himself as a guy that they can count on on uh, at one of those spots. And I'm not sure he had really done that to that point in his career. Uh, but now he's out, and so they're in a state of flux. And um, and you're right. I mean, it was scramble time. It was rely on rookies time. It was basically what they did was they invited, they suckered the the Bengals to to run the ball and to throw into the middle um, mm-hmm. by kind of keeping the safeties deep into the sides and protecting Ambry Thomas. And, and the Bengals did, and, and, and they had some success there. Um, I don't know how many of T Higgins 114 yards were passes over the middle. It seemed like all of them were. Uh, so the, the 49ers um, basically gave them that. And, um, you know, um, and, and also uh, sort of dared them to, to run the ball. And the 49ers were really good at stopping the run. They, they played with that light box. Um, mm-hmm. and, and they won. I mean, it was just a, a really smart chess move by the 49ers, like I said, to sort of invite the Vikings, the Vikings, the Bengals to uh, attack the middle. Um, and then when they started to kind of catch on at the end, started to attack the sidelines and the edges, that's when they caught up. But, you know, it was, I don't want to say too late because they ended up tying it, but uh, it certainly wasn't enough to push them over the top. It was not. And then luckily for the 49ers, they just have too much talent on offense that getting into that overtime game. And of course, uh, the Bengals choosing to take the field, go I'm going to start that sentence all over again, but we're not going to edit it out guys, because this is, I like to be, keep it 100 with you guys and be real. So I'm just going to say the uh, Bengals electing to go for the field goal in overtime, which didn't win it. And I'm assuming they knew that didn't win it. Uh, Assuming they didn't think that kicking the field goal would win it. And then the 49ers were able to just march down the field. Jimmy Garoppolo leading two game-winning drives, not one, but two. Uh, the first being towards the end of regulation, and then Robbie Gold missing that 47-yard kick, which when the game ended, I turned to one of my colleagues and said, there may be nobody happier on that field right now than Robbie Gold. Yeah, that's true. And uh, <laughs> special teams in general. Richard yes. Hightower had to be you know, on the, on the top five most relieved lists given what his uh, units had done the previous two weeks. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it was just uh, Garoppolo was good at the end. Uh, there was one throw, Jesse Bates, I think is the guy's name, that uh, could have been picked off in mm-hmm. return for a game-winning touchdown. But, I mean, you, you got to get lucky, and, and <laughs> yeah. the 49ers did. And, uh, you know, they, they survived that. I think on the next play was that fingertip grab by George Kittle. Uh, which set up the the goal miss, but um, yeah, that's uh, well. Tr- Trey, let me ask you this: um, When you go into overtime, you always want to win the coin toss mm-hmm. so that you you get the ball first and you have a chance to score and win the game. But I almost thought it was an advantage for the 49ers when once they they forced that uh, that field goal, um, all of a sudden they've got the ball, and so you, you sort of play with this reckless abandon at that point. You have to score. So you know you're going to go for on fourth down. You can um, take a little bit more risk. You can be a little bit more aggressive. I feel like once the if, if the other team gets the ball and all they get is a field goal, oh yeah, I feel that's a real advantage for the other team, and that's exactly how it played out. And Garoppolo said that yesterday. Jimmy Garoppolo said that when they when they kicked the field goal, they felt like okay, we know what we need to do. So let's just do it. What I find so interesting about overtimes and tell me if this is, I, I don't have any evidence for this zero. Like I have no facts. I've, this is just something I notice is that teams will struggle, 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 and then they get to overtime and somehow could just march down the field. Like it's nothing. What is that about? 
Do you notice uh, that or is that just me? No, for sure. I mean, that's what I was talking about. It's, it's like a, well, we got nothing to lose here. So yeah, we're not I guess that's what it is. Play yeah. with any restraint. We're just going to let the, you know, fling it around. And, you know, that's when Jimmy Garoppolo was at his best. I mean, that, that was the 2017 Jimmy Garoppolo that we saw. Mm-hmm. That was, was the New York, 2019 New Orleans Saints game, Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, exactly. It was just uh, kind of gunslinger Jimmy. The, the best Jimmy is gunslinger Jimmy. Now, gunslinger Jimmy can get a little bit too gunslingy and, and throw yeah, some interceptions <laughs> too. But when he, when he's in his zone, he's just kind of firing off the hip. He's really good. And, and some of those those throws at the end of the game, the – the one to Juwan Jennings. There was one up the middle. I think it was a nine yarder to uh, George Kittle. Yeah. Kittle was like in the in the. It was like in a sea of orange. He was in the middle of like ten bangles, mm-hmm. and the ball made it to him. Uh, and that's what set up the uh, the little catch and run by Ayuk at the end there. But um, you know, uh, Garoppolo, like you said, once the Bengals kicked that field goal. Um, you know, they they were just on full tilt at that point, and um, you know, Jimmy at full tilt is good Jimmy. And and we saw that uh, at the end of the game. I was thinking this morning, actually, I was thinking maybe they should tell Jimmy that every drive is a game winning (laughs) drive. Like right, like right from the get go. Like Jimmy, this here is a game winning drive because it really is when he is at his absolute best. And we even saw, you know, going back several weeks ago to the green Bay game, which they ultimately lost, but he set up like that was an incredible drive. And that wasn't on him, you know, at at the end of the game there. Uh, But He's really at his best. I think that's what they should tell him. Jimmy, this game, this drive is a game winner. Good luck. Coach, it's the first quarter. It doesn't matter. I, so. I think that they should invest in a team hypnotist. You just yes. you, you put the hypnotist on the bench and you convince Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, right before the kickoff that, hey, it's overtime. We got we got to go out and win, Jimmy. And, uh, you know, then, then he'll be six for six on, on every drive. It's a, they always say it's a week to week league. Every, you know, every week we want to go one and oh, and every drive is overtime. Everyone. There you go. There so, you go. I think we figured it out. I think we just solved the 49ers. <laughs> so you're uh, welcome. Matt and Tracy, comma, team consultants. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Uh, our first order of business. We're hiring a hypnotist. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, uh, there's a, there's a 30 rock episode where, um, Jenna and Tracy Morgan, where, the problem solvers t-shirts around the office all day long. I, I think you and I should invest in um, problem solvers t-shirts. I'm all in on that. I wonder if we can have them by Wednesdays after the media <laughs> availability uh, just to get the conversation started. Uh, you brought up George Kittle because, oh, did you want to say something more about our t-shirts? Because if you did, I'm all in on that. No, no. I just think it has to happen. I do think it has to happen too. Maybe not by Wednesday, but maybe. So we'll see what we'll see what we can do. Uh, you brought up George Kittle, though, and I mean, how could you not? Because he's George Kittle. He's been obviously tremendous. Yesterday, he was tremendous. I think I wrote in my story, you know, I gave all his stats, but I said, I don't even think those come close to really telling the story of just how good he was yesterday. Uh, he He's just such an incredible player, and I don't mean to make this like a George Kittle stand podcast, but... I just think it's worth discussing because what a difference it is when he's in the game. And the reason Jimmy can make that throw into a sea of orange is because he knows George can get it. And that's the difference. I agree. I mean, he was um, the indispensable guy uh, yesterday. And I'm running into the same problem that you did in that I have to write um, uh, what I call my minutia minute uh, item where I go uh, position group by position group. And I don't want to just put out George Kittle's stats for that. I mean, and they're Mm -hmm. amazing stats, but you're right. It it, it goes so much more beyond that. Um, You know, that uh, 19 yard grab we we were just describing uh, in the fourth quarter. I mean, that's, that's a gotta have it catch. And, And he comes down with it. It's such a high degree of difficulty catch as well. And it was just one of those after another. And you saw his, uh, his yak yardage uh, last week in Seattle and Sunday in Cincinnati, that's starting to crop up to levels that we were, we were seeing in, in 2018 when he had his uh, record breaking year. Um, he's just doing everything right now. And, and, and I guess the, the bottom line is that he's acting like the team captain. Remember, during that four-game losing streak, one of the kind of storylines, one of the narratives was that, okay, do, does this team have any 
team leaders? Who's the guy that's kind of stepping up? Who's the guy that's rattling cages? And and Kittle has been doing that in, in his own way. He's not a yeller or anything like that, but uh, his play has shown that he's the guy. He's the team leader. He's the heartbeat of uh, of the San Francisco 49ers. And the last two games have been a, a perfect case in point. And really, I think since he came back from his injury, he's taken over that role. And he's always been an emotional boost for the team. Everybody always talks about his energy. But I think after that losing streak, at least it feels that there was a void and someone had to fill it. And he has taken it upon himself to do that because they don't have the Joe Staley's anymore. They don't have the, the Richard Sherman's. They don't even have like the Emmanuel Sanders, who was, who was a guy who was maybe quiet, but really was a big leader in that group. And I think Kittle is the guy that they're going to need to be that person. He's going to be there for a very long time. And he does do it with his play, not just, you know, being a big talker or any of that. And the thing with his play is that, like you said, that gotta have it catch. Not everybody can come down with that catch. In fact, I would venture to say that most people cannot. And his whole He's going to go, as Shanahan said yesterday, Kittle will go until he can't. And if Kittle can't go, he really can't go. And that is something you need on a football team, especially on a team that does have a fair amount of veterans, but also has a lot of young guys. Yeah, I agree with you. And that makes that that calf injury he was dealing with a couple of times he got up. Yeah, you, you know this. Anytime George Kittle gets up and goes back to the huddle, he's got a little hitch. You know, uh-huh. <laughs> that's just how he walks. Uh, he, he looks like a cowboy walking back to the huddle sometimes. <laughs> you always wonder, oh boy, is he injured? No, he's usually not. But uh, on Sunday, he he did have uh, a, a more pronounced limp after a couple of those tackles. Um, and, and you were there um, in Cincinnati in, in the postgame afterwards. What, was it, was the calf injury, did you get the sense that the calf injury was the same one that he was dealing with um, earlier in the season? Or, or, or was this a... A, a new thing for George Kittle. I got the sense that it was a little bit of a flare up, but I which also is, got which the is sense concerning. Yes, but I also got the sense that it would have to be like a three alarm alarm fire to keep him off the field. Yeah, <laughs> all, we're gonna go with I'm gonna go with metaphors with flare ups, but it is I think a little bit concerning. But I also think at this point in the season, now we're going into week 15. You know, Garoppolo says it all the time. Everybody's got something. And I think anything a player's been dealing with, there is going to be that flare-up. Remains to be seen. You know, we're recording this before today's media availability with Kyle Shanahan. So we'll see if anything else comes out of it. But I I didn't get the sense that it was a huge area of concern. Now, again, I'm not a doctor. I'm not George Kittle. I'm not a coach on this team, but I did not get the sense that it was a huge area of concern. But now that I've said that, hopefully it's not. Now you're worried. Well, I mean, the the history of that injury, though, is that it got a little worse uh, from week one to week two to week three to week four. And then finally he had to go on IR. And and this is the year of the calf. You know, it's been like the injury uh, du jour for the 49ers. Uh, Garoppolo had one. Kittle had one early. Uh, Mo Hurst has one he just cannot get over. And sort of the nature of them sometimes is that it seems like the guy is totally back. He's he's getting ready to play. And then there's a setback, um, and he, he's back to square one. So um, the other thing that has me worried is that, you know, that's the, the other kind of pattern for the 49ers is that, Sunday after the game, it's like, okay, we only had uh, one or two injuries coming out of this game. Everybody looks good. And then on Monday, Shanahan (laughs) has this this butcher bill that uh, like 12 players long. Uh, You know, he might not play this week. He's out for three games. We might have to put him on IR. So the, the Sunday to Monday difference sometimes is quite stark. Uh, yes, but you're it right. Is. We have to wait until 3.30 for, for Shanahan to kind of go down the list. The Monday to Wednesday difference can also also often be quite stark. I remember a few weeks ago, got it by now, it was a, maybe even two months ago because time is just like, I think on Monday things looked good. And by Wednesday, I did a video of Shanahan's uh, going through the injury report for that Wednesday practice. It was 23 seconds. That's a very <laughs> long time. It did not fit in one Instagram story slide. I think that's a very, that's a lot of, that's a, that's a lot of injuries, but we will, you know, certainly hope for the best uh, 
for the 49ers on this and for everybody involved and for Kittle. Uh, I'd like to talk a little bit more about Juwan Jennings because I think he's become obviously a bit of a gem. He's gotten quite an opportunity with Mohamed Sanu being out the last several weeks with a knee injury. And, you know, obviously you mentioned he was drafted in the seventh round. We just talked about Kittle, who was a fifth round gem. So he, I feel like, could end up being one of these guys who ends up being such a fantastic player for this team and also has such a great energy, a very different energy than George Kittle. But he is just fun. And you love to see that. And this guy loves football. He just loves football. He loves playing football. He's so happy to be there playing football. And there's something just very endearing about that. You see him at the end of plays, and he's always the guy that's kind of blocking just, you know, maybe a second, maybe two seconds after the whistle. Uh And he's always kind of jawing with a defensive player. And and usually it's the defensive player who's the aggressor because uh, Jennings has been sort of – you know, bugging him throughout the game. Uh, but that's what you want. I mean, that's sort of what the 49ers 2021 personality, their attitude has become. It's just the team that sort of grates on you all game long and, and wears you down. And Jennings is absolutely perfect in that role. Um, and, I, you know, I, I call him the the where's Waldo of the 49ers because like whenever there's a, a big play, he is inevitably, invariably – on the field. I mean, he's, mm-hmm. he, he might not be the guy who scores the touchdown, but like the Debo Samuel touchdown, who's blocking on the edge? Well, mm-hmm. it's, it's Juwan Jennings. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, touchdown in overtime. Okay, who's, who's blocking for him right at the pylon as as uh, Ayuk puts the ball over it? It's, it's Juwan Jennings. Uh, he's a really, really good, willing, feisty downfield blocker. And when you are running to the edges like the 49ers do, uh, you need that. And so Kittle's one guy that's always out there um, on the edges blocking. And Jennings is uh, has been 1B these last few games. And um, I just wonder whether Muhammad Sanu gets his job back when, when he's healthy. Because Jennings has played really well. And like I said, kind of fits. Real nice fit for who the 49ers have become this season. And uh, it's going to be hard to get him off the field. Well, I think... That's true, and I think you could probably make the argument that he's even been a little bit more effective than Sanu was. You know, when when he was in there, um, I'd have to go back and really like look at tape and, and all of the all of the things, which I'm not going to have time to do during this podcast. But I I think that where he, you hear the name Juwan Jennings a lot on every big play, as as you just said, and I don't know that that was the case before. Uh, so I agree with you. I think it is going to be very hard for Sanu to get his job back because how could you? I don't know how you take him off the field. He is part of every big play and he's bought in. I mean, he is all in on this offense, on on blocking, on basically doing whatever he has to do. The other thing that's been, I think, pretty impressive about him is you mentioned the jawing. You know, we've seen a couple of penalties where the defensive player he's jawing at ends up with an unsportsmanlike conduct and Jawan's really kept his cool, uh, which I don't think is necessarily easy for that also that kind of personality and Shanahan has mentioned that before because he is so excited and excitable and that it's pretty impressive and he's still very young to be able to do that. And I think a lot of his former university of Tennessee teammates would be surprised that he's been <laughs> able to kind of restrain himself and hold his, uh, keep his cool. Uh, cause, uh, he was, uh, you know, he had the same personality, but with less restraint, I think, uh, in college. Um, but, um, you know, that's, yeah, that's great. I mean, because you want that, but you want it, uh, you want it uh, controlled, and and that's what he's done so far this season. So, yeah, two guys have sort of emerged, uh, sort of uh, pleasant finds, I would say, for this team. Jennings on offense and Aziz Al Shahir on on defense. Um, both of those guys have sort of established themselves as uh, as keepers this year. And uh, I think that's uh, that's really good going forward. Yeah, Aziz has been absolutely incredible. And, of course, we have to wait again uh, to, f- to find out the extent of his injury because he hurt his elbow in Sunday's game. But he has been absolutely incredible. And another guy who's been absolutely incredible for this team on defense is, of course, DJ Jones. I think Fred Warner put it best the other day that he's he's out there making that money. Uh, and, and he's not wrong. He's been Pretty fantastic for this 49ers team. 
Yeah, he's been um, Mr. December, and that's mm-hmm. that's something that he has not been able to deliver this this far in his career, and it's something he's worked on stamina and durability. And um, his two December games uh, so far th- this year might be you know two of, two of the best games of his career. He's just more consistent. He, he I think it was D'Amico Ryan saying uh, a week ago or so. But he's always had flash plays. I mean, you see that athleticism sometimes, mm-hmm. but it just doesn't deliver it from start to finish. And that's what you're, you're starting to see from him right now. By the way, also a two-time five fun factor, both times, fantastic. Just yeah, I, I imagine that he's fun. Uh, he's fantastic on those. He's so that's got really a ten really fun good facts. Personality. <laughs> yeah, so he did it. He did it when he was a rookie, and then we did it again. I think a couple years ago, and he was really just. Were they different? Did he they say were. different were. things? They were. They did say different things. See, there's did, there's some depth there. Mm-hmm. There definitely is. So that's just another plug for five fun facts. But you know that I often judge players based on their five fun fact ability. So. You know he's he's high up in my book. He always has been. I well, said I, I don't. I don't want to. Uh, this isn't empty praise, but I wonder whether five fun facts should be something that teams do when they're you know in the pre-draft process when they're trying to figure out who should join the team. Because if, if you mm-hmm. if you got nothing, you got nothing to say. Do you do you really want a, an empty guy in your locker room? I mean, that's sort of the beauty of these 49ers. I mean, they, they've True. got they've got real personality. I mean, Kittle, uh, DJ Jones, uh, Nick Bosa, as dry as he is, there's some real kind of depth there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the guys who fail at Five Fun Facts probably aren't always going to be great uh, in the locker room either. That's very true. And I, I take a certain amount of pride once I have guys who are really good at five fun facts and they're, you know, earlier in their career or they just start to come up. I get really excited. I have like this like pride, like, oh my gosh, I'm so proud of him. He was so good on five fun facts. And now look how good he is in the field. It's just, it, it's just, no coincidence. It's no it's coincidence. Not. I you got to right. be able to think on your feet in both cases. That's true. That is a very... That is a very good point. You do have to be able to think on your feet in both cases. Um, I want to talk about Jimmy Garoppolo because it wouldn't be a 49ers podcast if people did not talk about Jimmy Garoppolo. I obviously said earlier that he led them on not one but two game-winning drives, and we definitely touched on him. But there was a report today, I don't know how much I believe it, of course, that the 49ers have not totally established what they're going to do in 2022. They've been very impressed with him. I feel like it's a lot of hooey. Yes, I just said hooey on this podcast, and you are welcome. Do you think there's any validity to any of that? Um, no, I don't. I mean, yeah, I think the the plan is in motion. Um, you know, can it can it change from here until the end of the season? <laughs> yeah, of course. I mean, if this team goes on a tear and they win the Super Bowl, I think it becomes a really big question. But I've always thought. You know, always going back um, maybe uh, a month or so ago when always you know, I like always yeah exactly always. Uh, going back to October when <laughs> um, Shanahan basically started ignoring Trey Lance that okay they are going for the what I call the Patrick Mahomes plan which was mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes number ten overall pick in 2017 plays exactly one game his rookie season and that's the the final game. Uh, of the Chiefs' uh, regular season because they've already made the playoffs. Their their positioning's not going to change. They want to rest their starters. And and then, you know, and it's a good, a really good season for Alex Smith, his, his mm-hmm. best season. Um, mm-hmm. And Alex Smith leads them to the playoffs and everything's looking good. And then they trade Alex Smith. Uh, mm-hmm. And then they promote um, Patrick Mahomes as the starter. Uh, so, I mean, I think that's exactly how this is, playing out. Garoppolo is going to have a fine season. Uh, probably not going to be as good as his 2019 season, but it, it looks like it's going to be a playoff season. And um, I still think even if he leads the team to the playoffs, they try to trade him. And, you know, all of this talk right now, I think is, uh, I haven't seen the report you're, you're referring to, but I would say that that is designed to either pump up Jimmy Garoppolo or pump up his, his trade value. Uh, yeah. And that's what teams do at this time of the year. They try to 
uh, inflate the trade value of the guy that they want to move. So their upcoming games are, or their final few games, are against the Falcons at home, on the road against the Titans, against the Texans at home, and then on the road against the Rams. Um, The Rams, of course, is a team they have somewhat owned. But that'll be an interesting game because if the Rams have totally just sewn up their playoff position and there's nothing that that game can do to change it, I don't know that they're playing a full-strength Rams team and and Sean McVay does seem to like that plan going into the playoffs. So uh, they could potentially win out. I mean, you can't give them wins until they actually win the game, win the games, but they could actually potentially win out here. The problem with this team is there's a certain level of mediocrity at times uh, and they, they seem to have really exciting games against mediocre teams. And then it, it kind of made me wonder it's like a sex in the city. And then I got to thinking, um, are they the mediocre team? And are they just a little less mediocre than these teams that they're playing? So it's, it's like that Spider-Man meme where Spider-Man's pointing at Spider-Man. Yes, exactly. Like, who's the mediocre team? <laughs> who's <laughs> mediocre here? Um, yeah, I mean, that's a concern. I mean, remember two years ago, they were coming off that rousing win in New Orleans. And, uh, you know, they were number one seed in the NFC. They controlled their destiny. They were playing a lousy Falcons team at home. They were going to smoke the Falcons and they ended up losing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, that was week 15. And here we are week 15 Falcons are coming in. This Falcons team probably is better yeah. than that Falcons team. And this 49ers team probably is worse than that 49ers team. So I mean, they could easily lose this one. They're not good. Um, they're not good at Levi Stadium. They're not good the week after their East Coast game or their Eastern Time Zone game. They're they're just okay. They're usually a little little bit discombobulated, like they were. Uh, what was it? Green Bay coming back mm-hmm. from the, the two weaker to start the season. So um, that that to me is has been uh, a pretty strong theme. They're really good in the Eastern time zone games. They're 10 and one the last three years. Which is they're, really incredible. They're just okay. I think they're like three and four in the game after that East Coast trip. So that that's something that they've got to guard against there. Um, the game on the road in, in Tennessee, uh, boy, I, I would not mark that down as a win <laughs> quite no, yet. No, that's basically. no. I w- no, I wouldn't either. I mean, I think it's it's winnable. It's also losable. It's very, oh, it's, I think it's actually more losable than winnable. I mean, they, the Titans in theory won't have Derrick Henry. I don't even know if that's in theory. I don't think the Titans will have Derrick Henry, uh, no. but you've now got a short week. I don't even know why I said in theory, but you've got a short week. They're going, you know, across the country. It's Thursday night football. That's a tough game. And I think it, it's a winnable game, but I, I don't know. I had actually all season long in my head had that marked down as a loss, but um, so don't get mad at me, 49ers fans, but I have in my head had that marked down as a loss. It's just that as the season's gone on and we see the NFL is just so interesting this season. It, there's just so much parody and, and that's P-A-R-I-T-Y, not like a parody, P-A-R-O-D-Y, uh, in case there was any confusion with our listeners. But there's so much parody in the league, and it does feel like any team – this is like the most any given Sunday, Monday, Thursday NFL season I can remember. So I think I have it as less of a loss that I did, but that's a tough one. I don't know. That's going to be tough. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it, it would not be surprising – Really, if they uh, if they drop the games to the Texans, the Falcons, and they won the game against the Titans <laughs> the, and the Rams, of course it would be I mean, very of course, forty dollars. It's, it's probably going to work out. But um, that last game is interesting. I mean, you you mentioned the Rams maybe not being able to kind of change their playoff fate in uh, in Week eighteen and resting started. I, I wonder if the Forty ers might be in the same boat. They I mean, might be. Maybe he's kind of stuck in that in that six or that five seed spot, certainly possible, uh, which would maybe, I don't know what Shanahan would do there. Does that make for another Trey Lance start? Does he want to, you know, give Garoppolo a half? If I were him, we're talking eight, 18 week season, 17 game season. Um, I definitely would rest everybody I possibly could, including Garoppolo. Um, and uh, and and give Lance uh, Lance the start, but 
that would that would be a fun one if that's the case. Nothing really at stake, but still super interesting uh, finale for the regular season. Yeah, it, it it would be fun one. I I wonder if he gives Garoppolo a half just because should Lance come in, even if he's playing against the JV Rams and play absolutely lights out going into the playoffs. Do you want all that noise? Who knows? I don't know. No, and, um, and he's he's definitely tried to avoid the the noise all season long. Not you know. Kyle Shanahan is super cool, really calm in these press conferences. If you want to get him bothered, ask yeah. him a Lance question. I, I can't wait for your uh, for you to pepper him with like five or six straight Trey Lance questions on Wednesday. Oh yeah, I mean I have ten written down, so I'm just hoping <laughs> I can get to half of them. Um, I mean I think I could just make it really open ended and just be like, uh, so like, what's the deal with Trey Lance? Coach, I, I noticed that you haven't put him in recently. Why is that? Yeah, you haven't. You hate talking about him. Do you hate Trey Lance? Oh my God, you hate Trey Lance. I mean, we could really make this into a thing. Oh, we, we absolutely could. <laughs> and by we, I feel like you're going to make me do it. But <laughs> nonetheless, I think it could definitely, it definitely could be made into a thing. Uh, well, I was uh, before we go. I was going to do. Good goat, bad goat of the week, unless there's anything else that you want to discuss throughout into the universe. It doesn't have to be 49ers related. Really, this is a safe space. Well, uh, good goat, bad goat reminds me of something I saw on YouTube the other day. There's this movie that's out called Don't Look Up, and it's got Meryl Streep and Jonah Hill. And Jonah Hill has gone on the talk show circuit, uh, and every time Meryl Streep's name comes up, he calls her the goat, greatest of all time. But uh-huh. Meryl Streep didn't know that acronym. <laughs> Meryl Streep thought that this this young whippersnapper was calling her a goat, like an old goat. Uh-huh. <laughs> so she, I don't know if she got upset, but she didn't know the acronym. And I thought that was really, really funny. That's hilarious. Well, and I think this is this is a relatively well, this is a relatively new podcast, and then this is a really relatively new segment on the relatively new podcast. Uh, and that goat didn't always, it wasn't always a positive. Uh, now we say it, he was, he's the goat, she's the goat, greatest of all time. But that's why we've been doing a good goat, bad goat of the week, because it's just kind of fun, basically. And as I think has been established, I'm into fun. So um, if you would like to go first, you can as our guest, but if you would like me to go first, then I Oh, can. I'll go first, but I, I want to do bad goat. Is that okay? You can do whatever you want. Um, the bad goat, and uh, I know this is unfair because he's a rookie and he only played 20 snaps heading into this game, but Ambry Thomas did not have a great game. And I know he went to Michigan and this is the worst, this is the worst podcast to bring this up. And I'm not trying to do it to hurt you or to hurt Ambry, (laughs) but I think you've now heard uh, us both, but fine. It was bad. I I forget what, what's the highest passer rating the quarterback can have is something like 156.3. Yes, I believe that's correct. Well, that's what Joe Burrow oh, no. had when targeting Ambry Thomas on Sunday. And that, and that's not even counting Thomas's two um, legal um, hit to the face mask penalties, which wiped away an interception and a and sack. A sack. <laughs> uh, so, like- I mean, it was just like a comedy of errors for the poor guy on Sunday. And I'm, I'm reminded we talked about Akella Witherspoon earlier and and he is nobody's paragon for the greatest cornerback ever but he kind of came in in a similar situation third round pick um and played uh a little uh his his rookie season he was a lot better at this point of the year and i remember a game he played against deandre hopkins uh, who was then with the texans uh but back in 2017 akella witherspoon was playing really well and looked like a keeper Boy, neither of these two uh, rookie quarterbacks, uh, cornerbacks at this point, and I realize it's super early. They're going to get better, this, that, and the other. In but theory. boy, the early indications are they may have to go back to that position in the draft. Yes, and they also may have to really, truly invest in a veteran corner who's Agreed. not a veteran at the end of his career corner, Agreed. like a veteran like that. I still don't understand how that wasn't addressed this last off season, but I think I, I guess that's like 
you know, beating a dead horse, but uh, I think they're absolutely going to have to do that. I don't know how they can't because you cannot have a situation where you lose one and it's like, well, I mean, you know, like we said, you know, like you said earlier, they basically conceded that to the Bengals, but you're not going to be able to do that every week. And I don't think they want to be in a position next season where they're doing that again. And you were between Thomas and Lenore. It was like, well, I mean, you know, I don't, I don't know the other discussions, but Lenore started earlier in the season under these conditions this time. Thomas started. Neither of them have been great. You know, it pains me to say that because go blue, but neither of them have been great. And neither of them seem like keepers. I mean, Jimmy Ward said yesterday when I was a rookie, I, you know, he got beat on the, that Brandon Marshall touchdown. And, but I feel like even when, when Jimmy Ward was a rookie, that was one bad play. I certainly did not look at Jimmy Ward and think, Oh, that was also week one. Of his yeah, so it was week one, know. not week 14. Now, again, <laughs> he's played 20 snaps. We're week 14. He's played uh, 20 snaps. But, I mean, I also, I don't mean this unkindly to Diamador Lenore, but what, I mean, he showed promise there in the beginning. And so if Ambry Thomas got the start over Diamador Lenore, what's happened there? Has there been a massive regression? I don't know. Well, I mean, Biamador Lenore got pulled from the 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 game against the Seahawks. I mean, the, the 49ers had seen enough. I mean Right, but that's what I mean. Like it feels that, that he regressed, and that's certainly not yeah. what's gonna be in week fourteen or thirteen. Yeah, I mean that that's that's sort of the the playoff issue is that um I mean two two sides to that. I, I feel like the 49ers can beat any of these teams in in the NFC playoffs. Uh, but one of the issues is that um, Diamondor Lenore came into that that Seahawks game to substitute for Emmanuel Mosley. It, it took the Seahawks almost like a full quarter to sort of like figure that out. And then yeah, I don't know why it to, took them so long to really target him. <laughs> and, and sort of the same thing yesterday with uh, with the Bengals. I mean, the 49ers were, were doing quite a bit to protect Ambry Thomas, but. They didn't start really attacking him in until the fourth quarter. If they play Aaron Rodgers, I guarantee you, oh. Aaron Rodgers from from jump is going to be is going to be picking on you know whatever the weakest link out there is. And if it's a if it's a rookie, it'll be that guy. So that uh, you you would have to really hope for uh, a bad weather game, I think, in order to keep that to a bare minimum. Because, a bad weather uh, game or a very one of the world's fastest recoveries from a high ankle sprain. Exactly. Exactly. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And and you wonder whether we've seen Emmanuel Mosley for the rest of the regular season this year. Um, So, uh, and and we may have, I mean, we've seen him for at least uh, the next two games. Um, Yeah. He could come back against the Texans, but I just think there's no, depending on where they're at, but high ankle sprains are, that's a rough injury. It's a very intense injury. And so, I don't, I, my guess, again, I said this earlier, I'm not a doctor. I don't want to shock anybody, but my guess would be that we would not see him till the playoffs and maybe not even until like a playoff game too, should they win the first game. Yeah. It may depend on, you know, how important that Rams game is. Um, yeah. you know, if it's, if it's win and get in, then, then we see him. Um, but, uh, if they can afford to, to sit some guys out, then yeah, get, get him healthy for, whatever that week one matchup is. And, and if they keep this sixth spot, it's probably not going to be the Packers, at least in, in round one. So if they do end up with the sixth seed, they probably don't go to Green Bay, correct? Yeah, because you would think um, Green Bay and, and Tampa Bay are probably the one and two. One of those teams gets a bye to start out the playoffs, and, and the other play is the seventh seed. Well, what so, about Arizona, though? You don't think Arizona's keeping the one? Uh, oh, that's right. Arizona's got the one. So they're uh, the two and three. I, think I gotta, uh, yeah, I gotta back up on that. So it would either be if the 49ers are in six, then they would either play in Green Bay or in Tampa Bay. Um, so I mean, um, yeah, both really good teams and who will be favored against the 49ers, but. You know, you, you, if you're the 49ers, you're not quaking in your boots with either of those squads. I mean, you almost beat uh, the Packers uh, mm-hmm. earlier this year, 
And uh, the Buccaneers have all sorts of issues with their secondary, too. Could be a, a nice storyline with Richard mm-hmm. Sherman back there for sure. But um, And a Brady point. versus Garoppolo storyline. Yeah, that's, that's a fun one. <laughs> Maybe we should hope for that for sure. Yeah, uh, I think so. From a, a journalist standpoint. But my, my point is that they can beat, they can beat any of these teams. Um, and uh, the point is just to, just to kind of get in and be as healthy as you can be. Uh, uh, heading into January. So now your good goat of the week. We digress, but it was an important digression. Yeah, good goat. I mean, there are a lot of choices. I mean, um, we talked about Kittle. He's probably the good goat mm-hmm. uh, of the week. Um, but um, there were there were other ones as well. I mean, um, I remember thinking at one point when the, the Bengals were uh, marching down the field in, in overtime, uh, I'm, I remember thinking, boy, the only thing that's going to save the 49ers right now is a Nick Bosa sack. Lo <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and behold, he had a sack on third down that that uh, forced that field goal. And, um, you know, another just uh, excellent game from him. Um, really had three sacks, all of them from the left side. Remember, he moves around mm-hmm. throughout the game. All three came from the left. One of them was wiped away by the uh, Ambry uh, Thomas uh, penalty. But... He's now at 14, uh, a year after he tore his ACL. Tore his ACL, tore his MCL, cartilage damage. If he's not the comeback player of the year, uh, I know Dak Prescott's uh, a contender too, but I feel like Nick Bosa is having a better season as a pass rusher than Dak Prescott is as a passer. And a few weeks ago, I, I felt differently. Uh, not that I thought that he was having... Not as good a season, but I thought it was definitely going to be Dak. And actually, Steve Weiss was on the pod, and we talked about it, and and I thought it was for sure going to be Dak. But now, as the weeks have gone on, I think we've seen Nick Bosa play better at his position, and it's just truly incredible. And as you mentioned, he's moving around throughout the game, which is not something a lot of people do. It's not something that's easy to do, and he's still having an absolute career season. So I would agree with you. He should be comeback player of the year. So maybe we get T-shirts for that, too. For sure. Okay. We have a lot to do between now and Wednesday. Yeah, well, yeah, our shopping list is uh, is growing here. <laughs> and during the holiday season, not ideal, but we will definitely <laughs> ideal. We'll definitely we'll definitely get it done. Um, all right, my bad goat of the week is kind of a weird one, but it's actually Bengals fans because they got a team that's actually pretty decent, a lot of talent in the mix of the playoffs, and they didn't really go to the game, and I found that surprising. You know, the last game I covered that was a blackout. You know, blackout uh, in the local television market was a 49ers at Bengals game in 2011. Ooh, so okay. they may have a little bit of a history of not showing up en masse for the, for these games. I think they do, but this is, and I understand they've had years of just disappointment, but this is actually a good team. you got a really good young quarterback. You have a lot of talent at wide receiver, at, at running back. And so just kind of surprised. And also a game that mattered. It wasn't like they were playing, let's say, the Texans. You know, this was a game where they're playing a team that's in the mix. So I just found that kind of interesting. So they got my bad goat. Sorry, guys. My good goat of the week is going to go to Brandon Ayuk because obviously we all know the storylines from training camp and from the beginning of the season. And he has really turned it around. And I do think it speaks a lot to him as a person and a player because it would be real easy to just – and we see it, by the way, throughout the league – to just say, you know, it's not fair. They're not playing me. I'm super talented, whatever. And he, whatever went on between him and Shanahan, he he took it to heart and he turned it around. And then for him to have the game-winning touchdown yesterday, and honestly, the last few weeks, he's been such an important part of the 49ers passing game and part of their offense that I am giving him the good goat of the week. Congratulations, Mr. Ayuk. No, I think it's a great uh, choice. I mean, Debo Samuel didn't play in, in Seattle um, he hardly practiced in the week uh, in the run-up to the the Bengals game. So um, basically, he hasn't really been a big part of the passing attack for the last two weeks. And Garoppolo has been quite comfortable in in targeting Ayuk, uh, and I think he got 11 targets. That's a huge number uh, in this game. And so that that kind of just speaks to what you said, just uh, where he is in terms of uh, trust and. And value because if uh, if if Garoppolo doesn't trust him, he's not throwing in his direction as as much as he did on Sunday. Correct, I agree with that assessment. Obviously, since I made him the good goat of the week, 
Um, for anybody who doesn't know this, I've been up since like 1 a.m. Pacific time to fly back. So I apologize if I have trouble with words. Um, all right. I think that sums it up. Though you did tell me before we started that you might have a surprise for me. So now I'm going to have to see if you want to share it. Well, I, I will. But and, and now I feel I have to balance out my um, my anti-Michigan um, you know, sentiment about Ambry Thomas. But uh, I thought if we got into a discussion about, you know, what this team needs and this, that, and the other, Bosa, excellent on one side of the line. There's a real missing element on, <gasps> on the other side. He's so excited. This is, this is pure fantasy. This is never going to happen in a billion years. Yeah, but, but now I've, I've I'm been, excited. <laughs> I've been watching tape of your guy, Aiden Hutchinson, and he is amazing. He and he wears 97. And he does and a shrug. <laughs> what, 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 what would, ha- would the universe just explode if the 49ers had one 97 on one side of the line and another 97 on the other? It would be like the greatest addition ever to the 49ers roster. They would have to give up their first round pick for the next 20 years, I think, in order to pull off that trade. But it, you can always dream. You, they'd have to give up. I think they'd have to trade like Trey Lance, their first round pick for the next 20 years and potentially like someone's firstborn. I don't but, think anybody would take Lance at this point. Yeah, I guess <laughs> that's true. Know. I guess that's a good point. Well, I, I guess that's getting, a good point. You have, have, have to trade yes, Kittle and, and a whole bunch of other guys. Yeah. Yeah. And so I guess that's probably not going to happen. But God, that'd be amazing. Especially one side Ohio State, one side Michigan coming together for the greater good. God, that would be uh, universe explodes. I mean, yeah. worlds collide in that scenario. Oh, now you've got me all excited about something that there's zero chance it will happen. And poor Trey Lance that no one would trade for. I'm just sending him <laughs> off to wherever. <laughs> Who wants him? He's yours. <laughs> just give me exactly. Aiden. <laughs> but it's not going to happen. Well, Matt, thank you for joining me. This was so much fun. And uh, I'm excited for our T-shirts and all the things that we have to do this week. It's going to be great. Uh, but I really appreciate you coming on the pod. This was great. All right, I'm really interested in the numbers this is going to drive. So, so keep me posted on um, on the record breaking figures. I will, I will for sure because I know that that is important to you. So Very I will make important. sure. Yeah. I will make sure. And if you guys like what you heard, first of all, tell your friends so that we can drive up these numbers for Matt. And make sure to leave us a review and five stars. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Fangirl Sports Network. Talk to everybody later. Bye, y'all. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.